Welcome to the John Campia Podcast, episode number 25 for Thursday, June the 23rd, 2016. Hey there, guys, and thanks for joining us in this episode of the John Campia Podcast. I'm joined by my comrade, Mr. Josh Makuga. We're going to talk about the Justice League. What did we get out of this whole set visit stuff, and what was the real purpose of that set visit, by the way? We're going to talk about the new Disney film, The BFG, and what should our expectations be for the new Independence Day film? So sit back, relax. The John Campia Podcast starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to episode... What the hell is this? Is this episode 26? No, this is episode 25 of the John Campia Podcast. Thanks a lot for joining me today. Uh, and I'm joined this week by a special guest, Mr. Josh McCuga. Hey, John. How are you, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for doing this no, with me. dude. Thank you for having me. I hey, love doing this kind of listen, stuff. Listen, before we get into all everything that's going on today, yeah. um, for people who aren't aware of the Josh McCuga show. Yeah. Tell everybody a little bit about the Josh McCuga show and where they can find it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I started doing uh, what was originally called between the sheets and you can see all those episodes and just transition that into the Josh McCuga show. It's a 30 minute talk show. Uh, we wanted, I mean, I've always wanted to be either a talk show host or a game show host. Yes. My whole life. He's uh, not, by the way, folks, he's not lying. He has told me this many times, <laughs> many times. This is his dream. Um, so, uh, you know, we started doing it live at the improv lab way back when and when the improv lab closed a few years ago we said well we have the cameras and i have an apartment that just so happens to like facilitate it and through like incantations have built a set had cameras built lights it's a whole turnkey operation you guys can find it youtube.com slash the josh mccuga show we release episodes every other wednesday and um it's just a lot of fun. We, you know, we talk everything from career to personal life. We play games. Uh, we do rapid fire questions. It's you know, thirty minutes of just mayhem. It's now, a, aside from me, yes, who's obviously, obviously the best. Obviously, who yes. have been some of your favorite guests that you've had on the Josh McCuga slash Between the Sheets show? Sure, sure. Well, I think the, you got a whole bunch of people. I mean, on we're there. at like one hundred and fifty plus episodes. Seriously? Yeah, I didn't realize yeah, it was yeah. that high. Uh, and. I mean, you know, Eric Andre early on, we had him on like episode five, uh, is just a maniac. If you guys, if you ever watched the Eric Andre show yep. on Adult Swim, he's just a maniac. Uh, we had this adult star named Carmen Karma. She came in on a Saturday morning dressed to the nines at like a 1030 a.m. on, on a Saturday morning and just blew my mind. This girl had no filter. I, sh- I shared it with my brother. He's like, I can't watch this. <laughs> I can't watch this. <laughs> my friends from high school, that was one of those ones where like friends from high school and college were like, are you interviewing porn stars? And I was like, well, uh, Adam Ray and John Rodnitsky came on for my 100th episode. Uh, John Rodnitsky now on SNL. Right. Um, I've had so – I just really – I mean, you know, in the industry that we're in, we're very lucky to know a lot of amazing people. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, since the Josh Mahuga show started, a lot of the collider people come on. You, Schnepp, uh, you know, Tiffany Smith finally came on. She, Tiffany Smith would not come on. When it was called Between the Between Sheets. Between the Sheets. Uh, she's going to be released in a few weeks. Uh, but she said, well, it's the Josh Mahuga show. I'll come on now. And I, I did guilt her into a couple little questions. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, you mentioned you got a lot of like collider people on there too. Some yeah. schmoes people on there Absolutely. as well. So it's, so for those of you who follow like this little universe of ours mm-hmm. um, to get a little bit more in, in depth and behind. And, you know, uh, uh, Christian also started uh, something on with – on the Schmoes podcast channel, just right. the uh, Christian Harloff show, I think a he's podcast. calling it. Podcast. When he, when he released the first one, he's like, yeah, the first episode of the Christian Harloff show, I texted him, I was like, nice name for your show, man. <laughs> 
He's like, oh, I'll, try, I'll change it to the podcast. Yeah, he yeah, changed it to the podcast. Yeah. It was a good move for him. Absolutely. Um, hey, listen, guys. As I like to do sometimes, I threw it open to you guys to program today's show and asked you on my Facebook channel to uh, just throw out there what topics or questions you wanted us to address. Um, now, before we get to that, Though, like Josh and I, as you know, Josh works with me on Film HQ. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, make sure you're signed up for Comic Con HQ. Go to www.comic-conhq.com. Sign up for your free trial. They're going to be broadcasting Comic Con, Hall H, all that kind of stuff, and it's all free until after Comic Con. And then you can decide if all this amazing content you're getting is worth the four ninety nine a month that you got to pay for it. And honestly, you know, that's four. Well, going to be now six dollars less than Netflix. You're going to get. 12 to 15 original programs a week or every other week. You're getting all of that Access Comic-Con. to the archives of, of Comic-Con and Hall H and all that kind of stuff. It's it's a good deal. But you know what? The best thing about it is that you get a free trial and you, you get to decide if it's worth it or Absolutely. not. So, so, But you can check out our show there. But for Film HQ, our next episode, uh, we were shooting a special segment. And so we took a road – I'm kidding. I'm not kidding you. We took a road trip. Me, Josh, our production supervisor, Thad – and uh, Haleta Alamu, who yeah. is also on, on Film HQ with us, yeah. her and the, re- the three of us, we got into a car and we drove to San Diego at 6 o'clock in the morning. It took us three hours to get there, mm-hmm. two and a half hours. Traffic coming back was great. Yeah, it wasn't Two bad. and a half hours to get back to literally shoot about two minutes of footage. <laughs> <laughs> we, had, we drove, we were in the car for five hours to shoot like yeah. two minutes of footage in San Diego. At like 8.30 last night, I... I, I Looked to my girlfriend. I was like, I was in San Diego today. You know, <laughs> isn't it nuts? It's, it was crazy. Yeah, it was a real back whirlwind. Here, but it's, yeah. it was, it's for a really fun segment. It's going to yeah. air on this Saturday's episode of Film HQ. So keep your eyes open for that. Uh, really, it was it was it was, it fun. was fun. It was yeah. Found a great place to eat though. But you we know what did. it did? I was talking to Dennis last night. Me and mm-hmm. Dennis went out for dinner last night. Did you go to Wood Ranch? We did go to Wood yes. Ranch, as a matter of fact. Yes. You know, my first trip there, I went there the other day, and yeah. I did not like it. Really? Because I ordered the ribs, and the ribs were not good. The ribs okay. were very tough. Okay. I like really... but Fall off the bone. Yeah, I like fall. I like to be able to lick the meat off the yeah, bone. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? They, yeah. If Ashley Mova was here, there would be an innuendo in there somewhere. But <laughs> I... Um, but then I went in and I tried the tri-tip last night. Uh, Superb. Okay. It was great. Good. But anyway, so Dennis and I are at Wood Ranch last night having dinner. And he was asking how San Diego went. I said, you know what it really did for me? And I didn't really think about it till we were almost home mm-hmm. last night was being there. Look, I'm excited for Comic-Con every year. Sure. It's always a fun. Like if you've never been to Comic-Con, it, it's a spiritual thing for me. Like follow <laughs> me here. A little pilgrimage. Because there is something good for the soul. When you are – like literally this city gets packed. 130, 140,000 people migrate into this little town of San mm-hmm. Diego. And even though San Diego is a famous city, don't be fooled. It's not that big of a city. Yeah. And you get 130,000 people migrate into the city and all go there. And you're like, the streets are crowded and packed and everything like that. And everybody, there's something good for the soul when you're surrounded by that many people and they're all happy. Yes. Everybody's smiling and laughing. They're, whether they're sweating. dressing up, sweating, <laughs> lots of sweating, um, whether they're dressing up or not, everybody is happy and laughing and excited and filled yep. with anticipation. And there's just something about being in that atmosphere. And I remember us being there yesterday and we were, after we finished our shoot, we were walking up in the streets looking for a place to eat. Yeah. And I, I wish I could remember the name of the place we ate. Uh, I was, Toscana. Toscana. Yeah. Toscana, right by the convention center. Yeah. I want to give them a bump because yeah. they served an amazing breakfast for us awesome yesterday. Awesome omelet, yes. So we were walking up and down the streets, and even though I'm excited for Comic-Con every year, 
it's when it really started to set in. Well, this year is going to be a lot different for both of us as well. It's a different experience. It's going to be really different. Um, I, I'm with you. Uh, you know, I only I did my first Comic Con three years ago, so I'm kind of new to this whole process. Uh, I mean, I've gone to Sundance and I've gone to uh, you know TIFF, and they're great, but you don't get the same kind of energy that you get. Like you get out of San Diego Comic Con. No, everybody's dressed to the nines. It's really impressive. And we were walking around the convention center, and it's all quiet now. Right now, it's just quiet. see. <laughs> you can just see like the seeds starting to sprout. Like the uh, the metro went by with an Agents of Shield wrap. Uh, yep, the banners were up on the on the streetlights. Banners are up on the streetlights. Every you can just you can feel the anticipation, and it's a, it really is a Super Bowl for our industry. And and. Now that we're with Comic-Con HQ and we're lucky enough to work on, on Film HQ and the, the stuff that we have planned and that they have planned for us and we have planned for the fans at Comic-Con, is, it's going to be lights out. Yeah. And yeah. like, look, let's address the elephant in the room. We, in, in a roundabout way, we work for Comic-Con now. Yes. <laughs> but, but go back every year to the month or so before Comic-Con. You'll hear me saying this exact same thing. There's, mm-hmm. It's just it, – so being there yesterday got me really excited. Oh, absolutely. And I was stoked. All right. Even if it was for eight minutes. <laughs> Even if it was for eight – well, we were actually in town for about two hours. Two hours, We were yes. there for about two hours. Yes. We scouted the locations, picked yep. our spots, shot our stuff, had something to eat, walked around a little bit, yep. saw where our live stage is going to be. And, and it was kind of cool to even say to Haleta, who's never been to a Comic-Con yeah, that's coming this year, we were like, ooh, and wait until you get to this part and then this part and then this part it really was awesome yeah we're popping Haleta's Comic-Con cherry <laughs> yes, this year yes. she had never she's never been to Comic-Con and I'm really excited absolutely because uh, we also we're bringing Whitney mm-hmm. more with us but she's a Comic-Con vet, vet. Yeah. She, so she knows Comic-Con you've been to Comic-Con a number of times mm-hmm. I've been going to Comic-Con for seven or eight years now mm-hmm. um, but we get to bring somebody who's never been there before that's mm-hmm. kind of exciting yeah absolutely alright uh, let's go to what you guys are talking about here in uh, my the topics you guys brought up for us to, to ask uh, Adam Rosen writes uh, any new do any of the new Arrow or other CW castings get you excited for the new seasons yeah Josh I, as a guy on TV talk sure sure um, you know and we uh, you appeared on the Arrow recap well it was the Flash Arrow crossover there and then you yep. came in and uh, you celebrated uh, Laurel Lance's death obviously yes um, I think I'm I'm really excited about Supergirl moving to CW because now I will watch it. It feels like the right home it, for it. It really does. Because I'll, I'll tell you right now, I even though ultimately I made the decision to have a Supergirl show mm-hmm. on Collider's recap, uh, new little network we mm-hmm. can kind of set up, I originally said no to it. Oh. And I got, because I saw the, the pilot and I thought it was awful. Yeah, it wasn't great. But I had some people on the crew and this is how I like to I like to take the advice of the people I work with. Democracy. So a lot of people in our crew said, oh, I think it's going to be really big. I think it's going to be really big. So what I did one day was I arranged for like the whole crew to sit down for an hour and watch the pilot together. Mm-hmm. I said, this is what we're going to do then, guys. We're going to sit down and watch the pilot. And then if at least two of you really enjoyed <laughs> it, we'll do it. Makes sense. So we sat down and watched it. So I had Christian, Mark, me, Dennis, uh, Wendy, Ray, Schnepp, uh, and one or two other people were there. Okay. Christian hated it. I hated it. Mm-hmm. Wendy hated it, and mm. it went through and through. But Ray loved it. Interesting. And Schnepp loved it. Wow. Which I never would have thought. No, me neither. So I said, and I hated it even more the second time around, <laughs> but 
I was like, well, hey, I said if at least two of you dug it, then that means there's an audience for yeah. it. Let's do it. And we, and we did it. Unfortunately, the numbers weren't all that great. And I didn't like the show. I tried to watch a few of the episodes. didn't like it. But CW is the right home Absolutely. for it. And now they can actually get comic book writers in there. Yeah. You know, people that are big fans of Flash, Arrow. You have this Berlanti universe that they're joining that they didn't well, have. Technically, they did kind of. I mean, Berlant, Berlanti was still kind of the overseeing executive producer, I believe. Network but- TV and CW TV is going to be very – it's very yeah. different. Do you know what I mean? You have – CBS is a flagship station. It's network TV. And now people are like, oh, well, CW is network TV. Sort of. CW has a little bit more free reign as far as creativity goes. Yeah. The executives aren't on it as much. And if you watch, like, the Supergirl numbers just dipped, you know, it, yeah. as the season went on. I mean, it started with such a huge premiere. And then by the end, it was, you know, it was petering out. So the fact that CW picked it up, they, they uh, cast the kid from, from uh, where uh, – Teen Wolf, Tyler right. Hoechlin, uh, and he looks just like Superman should look in in the universe that they're doing. I think the most exciting thing, though, is the Flashpoint, how they're going to start w- in Flash. Yeah, but this I was telling a friend of mine, don't get too excited about the fact that they're starting. The, the name of the first episode for season three is going to be Flashpoint. Yeah. That doesn't mean they're going to be doing the Flashpoint storyline from the comics. Just like in the movies, they didn't do the Civil War story yeah, from the okay. comics. They didn't do the Days of Future Past story from the comics. They're going to call a Flashpoint. There's going to be elements of Flashpoint sure. in there. I have no doubt. Do you think we're going to see more intercrossing then between Supergirl and this existing Arrow Flash Well, they universe? did say that they're going to do a four-part crossover from all four shows. Uh, Legends, Legends, Arrow, Flash, Flash and Supergirl, Supergirl, which is awesome. I mean, that's four hours of TV. I think they should do... Four episodes every half season. So, like the first thirteen and the second thirteen, they should all cross among shows. You know, fall and, and spring. I don't know if they'll do that because the shooting schedules. But they're all in Vancouver, so yeah. they can. And I can say this: like, look, one of the criticisms Arrow got in the first few years it was on was that they were basically making Oliver the Batman of that world, mm-hmm. right? Like and they made him more like Batman than the traditional Oliver Queen. Mm-hmm. But I loved that. I loved that you had the mortal guy, the guy without superpowers. Yes. He's the badass. Mm-hmm. And I loved like whenever they did Arrow and Flash crossovers too, I used to love it when it's like everybody, even on the Flash team, was completely intimidated by Oliver Queen. Yeah. Including Barry. Yeah. And it's it's like Barry's like, well, how could Barry and, and Oliver have a fight? I mean, they would say this in the show, like, Barry's got superpowers, you don't. Yeah, whatever. It's Oliver Queen. It's Oliver Queen, yes. right? And I love that. And they went away from that because they heard some of the criticism. They went away from that, which I thought made the show worse. Absolutely. And I th- I think, because I would be he- in here with Anne, she- she's doing the Arrow recap, sure. so I would see all the episodes. Well, I may have my opinions about how season four went. <laughs> I... Me too. It feels to me like they're edging Oliver back to being the darker Mortal. Oliver, which I think if you're creating this universe yeah. where now you're bringing in Supergirl, I think having Oliver be that Oliver that he was in the first couple of seasons, the Batman of this universe, I think that would be really good. I'm, I'm hoping they do that at any rate. Okay. First of all, if anybody ever compares me or you or anyone to Batman, that's a good thing. Okay. <laughs> Compare him to Batman. Uh a Batman, some of the Batman, I mean, first of all, Michael Keaton is my favorite Batman. The 1989 Batman is my favorite Batman. I get a lot of, of heat for that. But that's not to say that The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises and Batman Begins weren't incredible. Um, and the fact that they, they jettisoned from that that mortal Oliver Queen to this super team of people that just like run around the city and jump off things, 
really, really hurt the show. Not only that, but they turned it into more of like a CW soap opera instead of being yeah. more of like an action drama. Yeah. Which, which I don't mind them putting a little bit of CW flavor in it. You have to. The first two years, they found a nice little bounce. There was a little peppering of CW-ishness yep. to it to to have the network identity, and I got that. Yep. But it, they went off the rails it, a bit. They did. Uh, you know, the, a lot of the producers were saying they, the villain this season, they want to be more like Stringer Bell in The Wire. And, and, and But I'm like, okay, well, if they, if they like hit a medium ground between what the arrow is now and The Wire, I'm yeah, 100% I'm on board. On board. Yes. All right, we spent a lot of time on that question. Yeah, uh, I should we're probably, passionate about it. All right, listen, this one comes from um, Mark W. Newman. I'm going to guess this one is more directed to me. What do you think of Stephen Wonderboy Thompson? He's a UFC fighter, folks. Oh, okay. I used to train with him when I was back in college in uh, Simpsonville, South Carolina. I'm hugely impressed by Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He just fought not nearly the highlight fight like he did against Johnny Big Riggs Hendricks, but he just fought a masterful fight uh, that just I was just floored by. He was... Um, technical he was smooth his technique was perfect he didn't get the big highlight finish that he was hoping to get but he dominated that fight what weight super class is he in? he's welterweight okay uh super impressed by him uh he's got to be in line for a title shot here pretty soon all right let's go move on to the next question uh colin guzik writes your thoughts on the justice justice league said visit and why it was done well you know, it's funny. I did my last episode of the podcast. I had Wendy Lee on, mm-hmm. and it was on Monday. And so people were asking about this set visit. And I told people, erroneously, <laughs> I said, don't expect to see like these reports get released until next year. Because mm-hmm. what happens at all these set visits, they do the set visits, and then you a sit. year later, the publicists then tell you when it's a few weeks out from the movie coming out, okay, now you can release your set visit reports. Mm-hmm. But And so I told Everybody last week, don't expect to see said visit reports and, until whatever. But no, they yeah. released them right away. Um, let's address the second part of your question first. Why do you think it was done? Two words. Damage control. Absolutely. You yeah. have to. Uh, you know, as, as much hate. And you and I were both really um, on board with Batman v Superman. And I will go see this R-rated version that they're releasing. You know, they're yes. releasing that in the theaters. Yeah. I will go see that because I didn't hate Batman v Superman. There were parts that I didn't necessarily think were great, but I didn't hate it. Uh, it still made a ton of money. I will go back and watch it again, just like I did Man of Steel and probably enjoy it more. Now, you do the set visits and they talk to Zack Snyder and they talk to Ben Affleck. They talk to uh, – what's the, the executive producer they talked to that they, they included in some of those articles? Oh, I know who you're Sarah something or Jan- – anyway. And they talk about the tone and they talk about the story and they talk about – because people are jonesing. They are dying for what is this. And if something happens in Suicide Squad and it's great, that only gets you more jazzed for, Su- for Justice League. That being said, why not do the set visit? And let it release. Why not? If it's great and they're excited about it and people are and they're saying positive things and they're doing whatever, you need some information coming out of the DC camp because the more uh, shrouded in in mystery they're going to be, the worse fans are going to feel. Well, normally I would disagree. Okay. Normally I would. But this ain't a normal situation. Right. Warner Brothers in DC. Look, and I'm one of the guys who liked Batman v Superman. Mm -hmm. I liked it. Mm -hmm. But just because I like it doesn't mean I'm going to stick my head in the sand and pretend like everybody else, the movie had its problems. Yeah. And they affected those problems affected other people, a lot of other people, a lot more harshly than they affected me mm-hmm. because I still ended up enjoying the film. Sure. I saw it multiple times in theaters. I'm going to see it again. But let's let's not mince words here. 
it did not get the reaction they wanted. It did not get the results they wanted. Thankfully, it was still profitable. It still sure. made the money. Obviously, it didn't make them as much money as they were wanting. The critic reactions were very poor. They didn't get the fan reaction pop they wanted. So right now, before this uh, thing comes out, before this set visit reports come out, the narrative of this DC Cinematic Universe is one of failure. Yes. Despite what I think, despite whatever, the narrative right now is a narrative of failure. So... What do they need to do? They need to do something now yes. to help change the narrative. And look, there are some times that the studios use us, those of us in this industry, mm-hmm. to be a part of their marketing machine. They use us as a, as a tool in their thing. That happens sometimes. Yeah. Even when, when people on our side of the chair are just doing our jobs – the studios will use us as a way to further their agenda, and that's part of the game. It happens in politics. It happens – that's just part of the game. I understand that. And this is a case where every single one – and Collider was included. Yep. Collider was included in these set visits. We were tools. We were totally tools. Absolutely. And I don't blame Warner Brothers one bit. Of course not. It was the smart move. So, so unless lest you guys think I'm sitting here bashing on Warner Brothers for doing this or bashing on outlets for going and covering it, it was the right move for them to do. You you know, you don't Ramsey Bolton your dogs no. for seven straight days. <laughs> <laughs> you feed them. Yes. Throw them a bone. And I, I agree 100% with what Warner Brothers did and what DC did. I'm so looking forward to Justice League. I'm even looking more forward to Suicide Squad. I, I Both of those movies get me really excited. Oh, I'm, I'm very pumped for Suicide Squad. If yeah. For no other reason than to words david ayer yeah like that dude is a great director mm-hmm. and to to put all this in his hands but because all you hear talked about now the last couple of days is all the stuff that got revealed at the justice league set sure no one's talking anymore about how people didn't like this about batman v superman no one's talking about how they didn't like that about batman v superman the narrative has changed palette cleansing pa- yeah no that, perfect analogy mm-hmm. it's a palette cleansing yep. and now they want to change the narrative and they've done it they've changed the narratives agree 100 um, but let's make no mistake about it none of the outlets that this includes collider Mm -hmm. that went to these set visits was any part of journalistic endeavor (laughs) it was to be a tool and a cog in the pr machine and but that's the the, the, look if a studio invites you to go and cover something even if you know you're being part being used as a cog in their machine Mm -hmm. you got to go cover and that's what all the outlets did and they did their jobs and the DC people did their jobs. Let's call it what it is. It was nothing but a marketing tool, but it was the right move, and the results are, are obvious. Speak for themselves. This, the results speak for themselves because that's what people are talking about now. Uh, what do I think about the stuff? What What did you think about some of the stuff that did get revealed? Uh, I'm, I, I think that the the darker tone they went for in Batman v Superman was mostly enlightening. <laughs> Right, yeah. <laughs> um, but also, you didn't need it. You didn't need that to be a super dark movie. I mean, Captain America Civil War was lightish in tone. There wasn't any parts in Batman v Superman where you had like a little laugh or like a little giggle. You kind of felt really in- encased in this in this dark world. And Zack Snyder, he wanted to go lighter in tone. He's obsessed with tone, as he said. And uh, I think that's great. I think that DC needs that. I think that that Batman with his voice needs a little bit of a lighter tone in, in parts of the story. And with the Justice League, you know, I mean, Flash is known as a little bit of a smartass. And same with yeah. Cyborg. And Aquaman, 
we've never seen before. Yeah. We've only seen them in Entourage. It'll be very interesting to see what kind of Aquaman they right. decide to give us in this. I, nothing really surprised me. I'll be on record as I'll say this. I acknowledge there are problems with Batman v Superman. Mm-hmm. I didn't think tone was one of the problems. Huh. I really didn't. I just I think what I think though is that there were weakness there were weaknesses in the story and in the direction. And then people just kind of point to it's it's like this. Deadpool is super successful mm-hmm. and it was R-rated. And people jump up and down and say, "See, it's because it was R-rated." No, Deadpool was successful. The R rating helped them do some things, but it was successful because it was clever, it was fresh, it was funny, it was exciting. They did all those things. That's why it worked. And the R rating was just kind of a byproduct of that. To me, I think the tone is just a byproduct. I could be wrong, but I'm just saying this. My impression has always been that the problems with Batman v Superman had nothing to do with the tone. It had to do with the fact that they didn't execute their story in a way that made other people appreciate it. Like I watched it. I walked out there. It's like I had a good time. But everybody else I'm looking at around me is like are all scratching their heads. Well, somebody like – my brother or somebody outside our universe and doesn't really get the superheroes genre. He was like, should I see this Deadpool? I was like, dude, it's like 21 and 22 jump street with 10,000 times more violence. Yeah. And he was like, Oh, I'm on board. And he loved it. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So good. Absolutely. But I'm with you, man. I am super excited about suicide squad Mm -hmm. and I'll be honest. I'm a fan of Zack Snyder. Yeah. I think I've said this before. People laugh me. I think man of steel is not a good movie. I think it's a freaking masterpiece. Really? Every time I watch that movie, I appreciate it more and more okay. and more. I think that movie is brilliant. So I am a fan of Zack Snyder. But because of the divisiveness that even in Man of Steel, but even more so over Batman, I was kind of hoping that he would move on to other projects yes. and somebody else would have directed this. So I, I am still excited for Justice League, but I got to admit, I'm more excited for Suicide Squad at this point. He's, uh, to do a sports reference, he's like Bill Parcells, right? He comes in, he builds a team, he breaks the team from within because nobody can take his constant like barrage and then he moves on to another team. You kind of wish Zack Snyder was like, okay, I've taken my thing here. Let me... Let, let me take let me give Ben Affleck this or let me give another director that hasn't done a superhero movie or a DC movie something outside the family a little bit and take it but we shall see all right let's move on to Jonathan uh, Monahan writes was the BFG good John I've seen it twice now really? I, actually my second time seeing it I just went to the premiere the mm-hmm. other night I really like the BFG look mm-hmm. at the end of the day it's not going to be in the, the top five Steven Spielberg films. At the end of this year, it's not going to be in the top ten movies of the year. It's mm-hmm. not. But it's a nice – the best word for BFG is charming. Yeah. It's a it's a nice, sweet, charming movie um, that I th- I actually really enjoyed. And it, it's not the one I jumped up and down about and, and would run out and say, hey, everybody, you need to go see BFG. But if you're just looking for a really nice – a nice little time out and you've seen some of the other movies that are already in theater – BFG is a good bet. And you're putting it above or below Finding Dory, correct? Oh, yeah. Oh, heavens, yes. Okay, okay. Yes, yeah. Finding Dory is, yeah. is the superior film. R- real quick, BFG, I haven't seen it yet, but uh, the look of it kind of reminded me of Box Trolls a little bit, and I really enjoyed Box Trolls. I freaking love yeah. Box Trolls. That is Box – I'm so glad you brought up Box Trolls. Yeah. Box Trolls is a movie that did not get the pop it deserved. That's it was a, basically minions, right? Like, like cuter looking minions. Yeah, cl- more, more clever. clever minions with their little boxes and running around. And it didn't get the same pop as minions. No, it's, it's got that great English sharp humor yes. to it as well. It was magnificent. Um, but and remember, this isn't an animated movie. I mean, yeah. there, there's a lot of CG in it. BFG is obviously CG care. Mm-hmm. By the way, motion capture. We always talk about Andy Serkis. But, and, uh, and who's the guy who just did, uh, uh, who's the guy who just did, uh, Duratan? 
Uh, he just did Duratan in Warcraft, uh, and he oh um, Toby Kebbell, I yeah, think. Toby Kebbell. Uh, we, we talk Andy Circus, and we talk Toby Kebbell, Mark Rylance. Yeah, it's because this is one of obviously Lord of the Rings was a better movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rise of Planet of the Apes was a better movie than BFG. Those are both better movies, but I'm telling you, the motion capture performance overall, the teamwork between Mark Rylance himself and uh, all the artists and wizards behind it, one of the best motion captured characters ever put to screen that sells me it like seriously like go check it out when you get a chance awesome. i'd love to hear what you guys think um a bunch of people asking about the justice league stuff so sorry david i'm gonna yeah. move on from you uh sam marcius writes a cm punk officially has announced his first fight it's gonna be at ufc 203 wow um they first announced once again i know not all of you are in ufc so i'll keep this short mm. they announced cm punk former wwe heavyweight champion was joining the UFC in 2014, yeah. and he has not fought since. And a lot of us are wondering. The reason being is because in, in training, he suffered a soldier, shoulder injury and had a long recovery. But he's back now. He is going to be fighting at UFC 203, so I'm guessing that's going to be about eight months from now, uh, maybe seven months from What's now. What's the date of 200? Uh, I can't remember. I just know it's in July. It's just in July. Okay, <laughs> it's, okay. All I know is that yeah. it's in July. Cool. So we will be seeing um, – I'm actually probably – Four or five months. So you're going to see Sam Punk in his first fight. He's 37 years old, though. Wow. It's, it's, and he's a trained fighter. It, this is an older age to start your career. Like, I think GSP is also 37. Yeah. And I think it's, that's a fine age. Randy Couture, I believe, won the heavyweight title at the age 42. Yeah. So that, that's a fine age to be a UFC fighter. It's a weird age to start your UFC career. So it's going to be interesting to see where he goes from there. Um, all right. Brandon Denger writes, Game of Thrones. Mm. Who is most likely to get taken down in the season finale? Well, if I, anybody's, let me ask you that, Josh. Okay. If anybody, because I know you're a huge Game of Thrones fan, of course. If anybody significant character is going to go down in the season finale, who is most likely to do that? Well, I think we're going to see Loras die. Really? Because, well, I mean, you know, he's Iron Fist. So, <laughs> so bringing him back. Well, I mean, he's only in like such quick things, but I think something, something. Listen, we already saw. Spoiler alert: Ramsey, yes, get it. So satisfying. Yeah, uh, unbelievably satisfying in nine. And what's what Game of Thrones usually does is you see your season finale in episode nine, and you see the springboard for the next, season, the next season in ten in the season finale. Yeah, uh, but that doesn't mean that we won't see a death because two seasons ago they killed Tywin in the season finale. Yep. Uh, and so I think somebody in that camp, something's going to happen. Somebody's going to come from, you know, the Tyrell camp and start a war because everything else is at war now and you need a war in the, in the, in the capital. Um, I still believe, I still believe there's a chance Jon Snow dies. Really? I be, only because of the history of this damn show. Yeah. <laughs> because look, the history of this show starts right off in season one in which, I almost gave up on this show because of what happens in season one mm-hmm. when they killed Ned Stark. Mm-hmm. He was my favorite character in the show. He was clearly the lead character. All the posters of this new show, Game of Thrones, was him on that throne. Yes. That, and then they killed him. But once they did that, they were sending a message. It's much like Opie yeah. um, oh, in, in Sons of Anarchy, man. When that happens, that is the showrunner sending a message. Any, anything you think that couldn't happen in this show could possibly happen people will die everybody in our shows are mortal yeah and they will die. i mean like so look at maggie sif oh my gosh yeah so 
We'll we'll just have to see. I personally don't think there's anything. There's going to be any major deaths yeah. in the season finale. I it doesn't look like it. No, I don't feel like anything's building up to that at this point. No. Um, but if there were, my two candidates would be Tyrion. So Tyrion, sorry, yeah. uh, would be Jon Snow, and would be Theon. Oh, would be Reek. Uh, yeah, I could see that because that could set his sister off. Yeah. So because she because remember her sister just made an oath to Daenerys, right? Yeah. And I'm wondering if maybe Theon dying could do something. But I don't feel like they've built up to that, yeah. so it's hard to say. He's, Theon still needs a bit more redemption. <laughs> yes. yeah, But they're doing a great job with that, to be agree. honest with you. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, Muhammad Ahmed Malik writes, which show do you prefer, Flash or Daredevil? Oh, Daredevil. Ooh, that's, tough. Yeah, that's tough for me. That's a Because re- for the longest time... I was Flash. Yeah. Season two. But, and man, you cannot ask for two more different shows. Superhero shows. Like Flash and 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 Daredevil are so polar opposite yeah. kind of shows. They're so different. And they're both so good mm-hmm. at the type of show they are. Yep. Like with the Flash, you're going for more lighthearted. You're going for more entertainment. Yep. You're going for superpowers. Yeah, there's more superpowers, the laughs. Yes. Um and a little bit of that CW flavor without being overbearing in the mm-hmm. CW flavor, right? With Daredevil, you're going for that grittiness. You're going for more depth to the story. You're going for uh, some great performances. I mean, so they're two really different things. And it's hard for me to call Netflix series shows. Yeah. Because they all, and I it's like, an event. I like, yeah, this is exactly because I like the way Netflix, I like that they release the whole season at once. The downside, it ruins a weekend, but it, yeah, it, it means I binge watch the entire show. Depends on how you look at ruin, but yeah. Um, so, but if, okay, if I had a choice, I was going away to a desert island for one year yeah. and I could take one show on my tablet with me. Um, <laughs> I'm going to take Daredevil. Yeah. Uh, there are more episodes of Flash, so you might be more entertained yes, on your yes, island. Yes, that too. There's like uh, way more episodes of but, the Flash. You know, I love uh, Charlie Cox. He was incredible in Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, and um, he's great in Daredevil. I could watch episode three of season two a hundred times in a row, and oh I don't think I would be bored. Yeah, uh, so I would take Daredevil as well. But it is very, very close. You're right. It's it's tight. Okay, let's move down. Um, Michael Buxillo writes. How much will Warner Brothers show from Justice League at San Diego Comic-Con? Will they do a big thing, including it, plus the two movies coming out before to focus more on Suicide Squad and Wonder Woman? Uh, Also, will the TV unit bring out its giant cast all at once so we can all fangirl? Um, Let's go to the second part of the question first. Will they bring the entire cast of all four shows out at once at Comic-Con? I don't think so. No, I think what they'll do is they'll do... a panel for each show yeah obviously they'll be quickish and then they will bring out benoist queen uh you know they'll bring out supergirl arrow flash and either rip probably rip. probably rip and they'll they'll like take a picture together yeah and then they'll do a quick thing about their because you bring the, all the cast out at once you know what now the pop is gone and the individual panels will get no buzz correct uh, and, and this way, by stretching it out, they're going to get more bang for their buck. Mm-hmm. Now, how much will they show at San Diego Comic-Con for Justice League and crap like 20 this? 20 seconds. Here's the thing, though. Remember how you and I were just talking about this whole set visit was yeah. about changing the narrative. 
if that's the mode that Warner Brothers is in right now, change the narrative, change the narrative, change the narrative. I am now led to believe that they are going to do more at Comic-Con. Do you think they'll show actual, like, edited VF footage? Let's put it this way. Or, like, green screen, like, featurette? Guardians of the Galaxy showed a one-minute trailer eight days into shooting. <laughs> they were eight days into shooting Guardians of the Galaxy, and they brought, like, a one, that one-minute trailer. Okay. Uh, that one-minute clip from the movie. Justice League has been shooting forever. Yeah. I'm going to go so far as to say five minutes. Really? I think we are going to get five minutes of this movie. Maybe some of it will be effects undone. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of it that's going to be touched. But I believe they are going to bring... They're bringing the whole army. They're mm. bringing the kitchen to this thing. They are going to walk every star out on stage. They're going to show little oh, clips. Yeah. They're going to show like 30 seconds of Aquaman. They're going to show 30 seconds of Cyborg. They're going to show 30 seconds of Batman, 30 seconds of Superman. They're going to bring it all out because they have started this process of changing the narrative with this set visit facade. Mm-hmm. And now they are going to drive that nail home by having a huge impact at Comic-Con this year. I didn't think that two weeks ago. I thought they'll, they'll do something significant. Two weeks ago, I thought they'll do something significant. Seeing that they're in narrative-changing mode right now, I now believe they are going to make a huge splash at Comic-Con. Okay, I, I, will, I will just counter real quick. Okay, they're going to obviously show something big Suicide Squad-wise because oh, this is going to be the yeah. launch for Suicide. They're going to show something incredible for Wonder Woman uh, because it wrapped production. Yeah. And I hope it has a lot to do with Robin Wright because I'm so excited that she's right. in that movie. I think they'll show something big there. Uh, I don't know about five minutes, but if they do show five minutes of Justice League, but even cl- I'm not, maybe maybe not a five minute clip, but like a minute of this, a minute of that, like I, yeah. so you're not sure about the five minute part. But if they show like even like a not a full trailer, but something along the lines of that. There's going to be people running out of Hall H just like lighting fireworks in the air because that will be the moment at Comic-Con this year. Yes. Yeah, it no. really will be. No, I totally yeah. I totally believe that. I believe – because we know Marvel is coming back to Comic-Con. Yep. But DC is poised to win Comic-Con yes. this year. I Absolutely. mean if they bring all those guns and they, they do that, Marvel would have to do something pretty damn special to get as much of the press cycle as DC is going to get. We have three big things that are like basically contending for the Palme d'Or of, of Comic-Con. Comic-Con, right? You have the Star Trek screening on Wednesday. That's Which is so huge. It's incredible. Uh, you have the DC panel, what they're yep. going to do, and what they're going to show us from Guardians of the Galaxy, and what is Doctor Strange. Because yeah. Uh, personally, I've never read the Doctor Strange comic books. When they announced it and they showed Benedict Cumberbatch, I was a, a little thing. The trailer didn't really do it per se for me. Uh, we talked about it last week on Film HQ about like the strangeness of Doctor Strange. Right. It's an acid trip. So what do they give fans at Comic-Con that, that sells it and goes like, holy shit, Doctor Strange is going to be absurd? Because what happened two years ago? No, Everybody was like, oh, Mad Max, Mad Max. I don't know what to, And then they released... That trailer of Mad Max, and people lost their minds. So if they do that with Doctor Strange, now you're talking about Ali, Rumble in the Jungle, you know, against DC Marvel. Well, and don't forget, too, like, Guardians Guardians of the Galaxy was a... That just wrapped, too. Yeah, but at the time, back at Guardians of the Galaxy 1, it was like, what's Guardians of the Galaxy? They brought that sizzle reel only eight days in the shooting, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, everybody was buzzing. Disney knows the power of Comic-Con. Because, you know, we were talking about this the other day, is that they skipped Comic-Con for the most part last year. Botch. And again, yes, I do technically work for Comic-Con mm-hmm. right now, but go back to the old shows. I was saying this before, long before I ever worked for Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. 
They had this great presentation at D23. It was a magnificent presentation, and it got no buzz yep. in the cycle. None. If they had done that same presentation at Comic-Con, that's all, people, all anybody would have been talking about is Jungle Book. Yep. You know, and, and, and this Captain America thing. But instead, the news kind of trickled out about right. it, and they did not get the pop they wanted. I think Marvel is going to swing big with both Guardians and Doctor, especially Doctor Strange. Yep. I think they're going to swing big with Doctor Strange. This could be... Between Warner Brothers and 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 Marvel here, this could be fireworks. And yes. then on top of that, you got Star Trek Beyond premiering on an IMAX screen Outside, outdoors on the water. On the water, this is going to be Unreal. absolutely nuts. All right, we just got a couple more we have time for here. Sure. Um, uh, Saeed Fahan writes: Do you think the reason Marvel has been so diverse in its recent casting uh, in the new Spider-Man movie uh, is it? Because of the backlash it faced from recent Doctor Strange whitewashing controversy, I'm going to say no. It had look, Spider Man has always had a diverse cast of people in it. Right, mm. it takes place in a city. You have diverse villains. You have uh, diverse friends. You know, he went to a city school. Uh, I don't think. I think that they really want to get Spider Man right this time. And they're gonna, and they're really. I don't think it has anything to do with the diversity of the casting. I really think it has to do with um, they're finding some of the stars that they know can act that aren't per se like giant names that they need to bring in to do or whatever. Because this isn't going to be an origin story, and I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, no, I, I th- th- to me, it had one has nothing to do with the other. Kevin yeah. Feige does what he thinks is best for each individual movie, yep. and I think that's totally uh, diver- d- divorced from anything else. Um, uh, Zaid Asif writes, Batman on TV, yay or nah? Well, we got spoiled with the animated series, yeah. right? which is hands down the greatest animated series probably ever. Um, I don't know. I think, I think Batman is so big. He doesn't, I don't think we need him on TV. I think we're, we're so satisfied with movies that we don't necessarily need him on live action TV. That's just my thought. Yeah. No, I've, I've believe forever only because this is what warner brothers has said in the past Mm -hmm. they are going to be very very protective of batman now for the longest time too they also said they were going to be very protective of the other one superman as well (laughs) but now we've got superman coming yeah um well supergirl needs that bump yeah she needs the bump but i still thought i still think it's a very odd decision to bring superman into it um but they have look they need batman Mm -hmm. because even though a lot of people dislike batman v superman even the people who disliked it, a lot of them were like, but hey, that hey, Batman Affleck. was pretty great. Right? Affleck crushed it. If this DC Cinematic Universe is going to work, they need a strong, popular, loved Batman. Mm-hmm. And by by bringing another alternate – like, look, we're going to have two different flashes. we got the flash on television. We got – Warner Brothers said they're keeping their television and the movie universe is very separate. And that's cool. Mm-hmm. And you can have a – you know a a flash on TV and a different flash in the movies. That's fine. But they are very, very protective of mm-hmm. Batman. Mm-hmm. And I think they're continuing to, to be that. To be honest, I think it would just water Batman down. I'm totally cool with them just keeping him in the movies. Keep the prize horse in the prize stall. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, uh, one more, another Batman question here. Matthew Kearns is writing, if Batman v Superman R-rated sells well, do you think that WB will allow the Batman solo movie to be R-rated? Yes, I think 100. Like, what did I? What did we say when we first started talking about it? I'm gonna go see that R-rated extended version. Sure. Because I want to see if there's something on that cutting room floor that they didn't give us, and I'm like, well, 
You make it R-rated. Like, what, when you were younger, what did you do? You bought a ticket for Minions and you snuck into Batman v Superman. It's the same price, although it doesn't go to the movie. People are going to go see the R-rated version. Unfortunately, the R-rated system kind of eliminates some people from that. The R-rated version of this movie, I think, is going to kick ass. I don't have your optimism. Okay. Uh, because I, I think part of the reason they're doing this R-rated release is is damage control. Okay. It's like, crap, that didn't work with the audience. Well, let's do this. It's a reactionary thing. We've never had an R-rated Batman. Yeah. We've never needed an R-rated Batman. Batman doesn't need to be R-rated. There's mm-hmm. just – like Deadpool, I was okay if they did a PG-13 Deadpool. But I would have preferred a Deadpool yeah. R-rated because sure. that's what Deadpool is. Yeah. Batman has never been an R-rated character. Yeah. Like, look, a lot of people triumph Nolan's Batman films as some of the greatest comic book movies ever made. Not one of them R-rated. Batman does not need to be R-rated. The drawbacks that come with an R-rated film, I believe out, far outweigh any potential minor gains you'd get with an R-rated Batman. Like, Batman's not going to run around, start dropping mother effer, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> That's not what Batman does. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> and he's not going to stab a guy through the face with a sword. Yeah. That's not what Batman does. Okay. And so I just, if I saw, if anybody could lay out for me a valid argument why Batman needs to be R-rated, I could maybe then get on board, but I've yet to hear anybody make that argument. There have been YouTube videos that are pretty funny from the Adam West Batman TV series. <laughs> have you seen that? Where no, like I've instead not. of pow and bang, it's just like the F word. Like, <laughs> shit, like ah! yeah, it's pretty good. Um, let's see. Uh, well, I should probably address this. Uh, Carlos John Escobaro writes, the growing cast for Power Rangers. Will a great cast boost major interest? This comes right on the heels well, first of all, they don't have a major cast. Mm. They have well, the Rangers aren't major. They has Elizabeth Banks, yeah. who I am a huge Banks fan. Yeah. I I got a little crush on Elizabeth Banks. <laughs> of course, you, and you should. And she's amazing. Yeah. Ever since I saw her in Forty Year Old Virgin, Wet Hot American Summer, Red Hot American Summer. I also I, I mean I like her in just about everything yeah. she's in. But now the big announcement they just made: Brian Cranston, yeah, as Zordon, as Zordon. Now, before everybody gets too excited, and if you've seen my interviews with Brian Cranston, you know I fanboy out a little bit around oh, well, Brian Cranston. Cranston. I've like I've got together and interviewed him like five times, and sure. I always lose my mind. Uh, but remember, he was also cast in that Arnold Schwarzenegger remake with Colin Farrell, uh, not Running Man. Um, oh, uh, why am I forgetting? A Total Recall. Total Thank recall. you. Um, he was also <laughs> cast as the villain in Total Recall. That yeah. didn't help nothing. Right. Like, you can take the world's greatest actor and put him in a movie, in a bad movie. It's not going to change the fact that it's a bad movie. But I have also always said, it is never a mistake to cast talent. Of course. And it doesn't get much more talent thick than Brian Cranston. It gives you that 1% Cranston bump. But he's going to be a floating a head. holographic head. Yeah. yeah. Will it really? Will Brian Cranston's... Inclusion in this movie increase the mass appeal for it? I don't think so. Okay. But I got to admit, someone like me who's who's a uh, skeptic of about Power Rangers chances, and again, Power Rangers is a Lionsgate film, and mm-hmm. I work for Lionsgate, <laughs> um, so I got to be very careful yeah. <laughs> when I say this, mm-hmm. but I'm still going to be honest. I, hey, look, I work for Lionsgate. Some people say Disney pays me. Disney does not pay me. <laughs> Lionsgate does pay me. <laughs> um, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, I... I, I don't have a lot of hope for this. But just because I don't have a lot of hope, and I've said this all along, 
there are things you could do with a new Power Rangers incarnation that could make it pretty damn cool. Agreed. And I even I will admit, as a Power Rangers skeptic, that the addition of Brian Cranston is a real nice move, and it does bump up my interest level a little bit. And so, Zordon is not classically known as being like that's crazy, evil villain. He's oh, kind no. of funny. No, no. Well, he's 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 not a villain at all. Oh, he's right, on the Power right. Rangers side. No, yeah. it, he's kind of funny. Yeah, Cranston is really funny. Cranston is hilarious. Dr. Tim Wadley? In person, Cranston is like nutty funny. Yeah. He's like crazy. He's a, he's a lunatic. He's amazing. Yes. I love this guy. So look, if somebody like me says it's increasing my interest in the film a little bit, it's going to increase a lot of people's Agreed. interest. I, I got to leave. All right. Agreed. Let me find the last company of the day. The last company. The last question of the day. Uh, no more Batman ones. Um, all right. Here's this from... Uh, LZ Martin writes, the potential stink bomb of Independence Day resurgence. I hear there are no press screenings for it. Listen, I've always said this. I have not seen Independence Day resurgence yet. Mm -hmm. I'm actually going to go see it tonight. Mm -hmm. We both are. And I've been excited for this movie all year. Me too. I've been excited for this. It is a red flag. We've always said this in our industry. When Not always the case. But it's just a red flag. It's just a little thing that should raise your suspicions a bit. When a studio will not release a movie to the critics to see to like the day before it comes out, all right? This is the first time I can ever remember because Independence Day opens in theaters tonight mm -hmm. nationwide. The press screening is tomorrow. I have, I have no memory of a studio ever holding a press screening after the movie has come out in theaters. What are they doing? They're, 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 here's what they've done. War oh, not Warner Brothers. Who's the studio behind? Paramount. Paramount. And I like Paramount very much. I think they're a great studio. Of course. But what Paramount has done is they've gotten this big flare cannon <laughs> and shot it up into the air. And then that flare sky writes, our movie sucks. <laughs> That's what they just did. They just sent a signal to everybody saying they're waving the white flag. Say, hey, everybody, we know our movie sucks. Yeah. And in case you didn't know it sucks, we're not even going to let the critics see it until the day after it opens in theaters. You know the movie is bad when they start sending the like the couple of the stars on press row during the Super Bowl. Nobody, nobody wants to hear about your movie on press day at the Super Bowl. I did. <laughs> I've been excited about this movie. Are you kidding me? And look, I still haven't seen it. All right? I still haven't seen it. Maybe I, we go to see it tonight. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you going tonight? Yeah, I'm going tonight. Yeah. The 10 o'clock. The 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. Right? Okay, yeah. so, we're, yeah, so maybe we go see it tonight. Yeah. And it's awesome. Sure. I just doubt it now yeah. because <laughs> a press screening after it opens in theaters. I still can't wrap my head around this. In the, in the words of Mark Ellis, if there aren't pictures on the menu, I'm probably not going to your restaurant. <laughs> So he wants that preview. We want that thing. I'm with you, man. I, I I have very low expectations, and maybe that's good going into this. Yeah, my my expectations now have bottomed out yep. through the floor, mm -hmm. just through the floor. And I so, love the first Independence Day. I do too. Love it. I I saw it like seven times in theaters. If it's ever on TV, I don't care if it's a pay channel or channel with channel or channel with commercials. I'm watching it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yep. All right, uh, folks, that'll do it for us for this installment of the uh, John Campy Podcast. Thanks for joining us, guys. Listen, don't forget, uh, you don't need to send us money or donations or anything like that, but how can you help out the show? It's simple. Hop on iTunes, even if you don't use iTunes, and find the John Campy Podcast and rate 
and comment uh, on the show. That helps me out a great deal. And uh, Josh McCuga, thanks for being here. Oh, where, thank you, once man. again, where can people follow you online? Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh McCuga. You guys can see me on Film HQ every Saturday with John. Uh, go to Comic Con Comic. Dash. Dash con HQ.com. Uh, you can find me on Collider doing TV Talk every Monday and my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash The Josh McCuga Show. And of course, you guys follow me on social media. You can follow me on Facebook and on Twitter, just simply at John Campia. Make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel as well. I put some individual stuff up there. It's at youtube.com. YouTube.com slash John Campia. And of course, as Josh was saying, make sure you subscribe right now to Comic Con HQ. Our brand new episode, our Film HQ episode 8, I believe, yes, eight. Uh, airs this Saturday. So keep your eyes open for that. That'll do it for us, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. And until next time, bye bye. <laughs>